welcome, welcome, welcome. We are live. Uh, we are here. Another episode of our Footy Fantasy Podcast. I think I titled this episode, Who Really Won the Transfer Window? Uh, before I jump in, before I introduce guests, you can see, if you like our content, don't forget to subscribe, share, like, Footy Fantasy, FWTIE Fantasy, on all our social channels. Um, let's introduce our guest. Uh, we'll start with the Newcastle man. It's, it's hard for us to get one, so... Raji, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And uh, it's a it's a very eventful weekend for me to join. The weekend where Manchester finally jumps over Newcastle. And I'm sure Oga Kwame will have something to say about that. But I'm glad to be here. Nah, bro, I ain't got, I ain't, I ain't got nothing to say. I'm just, you know, looking at your shirt out here looking like a zebra. But big <laughs> up to you, bro. See, this is this is the conversation. With, this is how it's gonna devolve. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just saying, if anybody's jumping, it's you out there looking like a zebra, black and white FC. <laughs> hey, that comment has already introduced himself. Um, it's a good weekend for us, uh, Manchester folks. Everybody, literally everybody in top four, and every other top six club apart from the Spurs. We don't really care about Spurs, but every other top six Spurs, they all drop points. So yeah, it's a, it's a good weekend yeah. for us. Right side of Manchester. How have you been, Oga Kwame? I've been good, man. I've been chilling. It's been a good weekend. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to dive into these topics. But glad to be here. <clears throat> uh, last but not the least, since we're expecting one more person, if she joins, size load like he calls himself, Mr. Dada. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> the fun man from Chelsea. <clears throat> okay, okay. Let's just dive right in. So let me set the tone for this one. From a footy fantasy perspective, I want to set the tone because this is a serious to us at footy fantasy. So I'm gonna and me personally. Let me speak for myself. Um before we go into this, people in the comments, if you're going to comment, if you're watching this, even us on the you know, let's try to take understand that it's a serious topic. Um people suffer from abuse, um specifically physical abuse, and I will try to lead with facts first before we can dive into their opinions, right? And the facts are CPS announced a couple of days ago that they had dropped all charges from Mason Greenwood. <coughs> um, it was first charged last October. Correct me if I'm wrong, I got comment. Last October is when it was charged, um, and he was taken out of the team. 2021. But yeah. now this is... 2021, sorry, yes. 2020, yeah. October, I was only charges. Over a year, the case has been ongoing. Uh, they said they've dropped all charges. Manchester United announced some days later that they were going to begin their own investigations. And that's where everything is at the moment. So I'm not posing it to everyone in the comments on here. Do you think Greenwood should be allowed to return to Manchester United? Or got comment? You kick, kick it off for us. What are your thoughts? Um, so I, first of all, I want, I, I, yes, as you rightly said, this is a very sensitive topic. Um, and if I describe something in a way that, you know, somebody might find a little bit insensitive, it's not because I intend to, uh, sound insensitive. It's just that I'm trying to explain what happens in real life, especially when it comes to issues of, um, issues of criminal you know, nature. <clears throat> so let's, um, 
if we if we just cast our minds back to when this whole thing started, uh, the alleged victim in this case, let's remember that she did not actually present evidence to the police, right? She did not go to the uh, police with the tape. She did not go to the police with the pictures and bruises or whatever. The police found out about the tape and the pictures just like the whole world did, right? Online, I think I think it was Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and th this is just in an attempt to explain how it's possible for the Crown Prosecution Service to do what they did, right? Um, and I, a, a very small part of, uh, for a very small part of my life, I was a public defender. Uh, I, and I did, I did a lot of uh, domestic violence cases where victims would, you know, their husbands would be beating them up at home, living boyfriend, husband, whatever, uh, beating them up at home, bruises, everything. They call the police, police shows up, of course, becomes a criminal, criminal matter. When it's time to go to trial, They've, they've, you know, they've reconciled, they've moved back into the home, they're raising their family or whatever, and now they decline, the, the victim declines to continue with the case. In cases like that, I mean, and if, and, and you guys may know prosecutors out there, ask them, I mean, nine times out of ten, if that happens, the case is not going anywhere. It's, it's impossible to move forward. And the reason that is, <clears throat> is because when we think of the duty of prosecutors when we think of the duty of criminal investigators, their job is to provide evidence uh, to sustain conviction, to sustain a conviction. To get a conviction, you have to provide proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That is the highest standard of proof in our criminal justice system. And the UK, just like the United States, is a common law jurisdiction, which means if you can't provide proof beyond a reasonable doubt, there is no conviction. Uh, in a civil case, so for, if, that, if, that, if I owe that, that money, for example, borrows me $5,000, we write a contract, I have, have to pay you back in a month, I don't pay back, he sues me. When we get to court, he only has to provide, you know, just 50 plus one level of proof. Pretty much, what is, is it more likely than not that Oga Kwame did not give that out his money? Then I, I'm civilly liable. In the criminal justice system, it's way more than that. So when these investigators are doing their work, <clears throat> right, um, from what they said, it, they're pretty much telling us that, look, with the evidence we have right now, with the situation the way it is right now, with the facts we have right now, we cannot go to court, right, with an, with an expectation to provide proof beyond reasonable doubt. And that is why we're not moving forward with this case. That is not to be confused with, uh, with the possible conclusion that Mason Greenwood might be liable in another sense, maybe not criminally, but maybe civilly. And that, and, and that is why my conclusion has to be that, look, when Manchester United conducts the investigation that they do plan to conduct, they don't have, of course, their duty is not to, to find proof beyond a reasonable doubt. They just need to find proof be, you know, it's an, it's going to be an administrative proceeding or administrative investigation. It's an internal investigation. They don't need to, to provide any kind of proof to a jury. They don't need to meet any criminal uh, standard of proof. They just need to answer the question, did it happen? And if United reaches the conclusion that it did happen, it should not play for, it should not play for the club again, point blank period. Um, and I understand that, and, and this is not to judge people who, you know, who have uh, rich conclusions in, in, in the alternative, but 
the fact is I know my club has had a history of tolerating, you know, this kind of, this kind of abuse. Look, Ronaldo continued to play for us. He even came back and played for us, you know. Uh, Ryan Giggs, the club still continues to have a friendly relationship with, with people like Ryan Giggs. It has to come to a stop at some point. When and my, and our club has to reflect uh, has to reflect positive moral values uh, in society. Look, I'm not over here waving the I'm holier than thou flag, but it's about trying. It's about trying. And in the in the past, I have not seen my club try. I've not seen I've not seen them try hard to distance themselves from these from 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 these you know issues that that ref, that just reflect the worst of our society. Okay. Okay. Well said. Very well said. Um, I'll just add to it. Very simple because most people know I typically I've stayed clear for conversations like this for a long time, for a very long time. You know, specifically, Ogakwame will know. Probably Dada knows a little bit. You know, from the Ronaldo time, just because of how I saw a lot of Manchester United fans act. Most people did not even read the. They didn't even read the. Um, what was it called? The transcript. From you know, from the Despigo report, from the deposition, from deposition, yeah. never read it, and they just went on like, oh, you know, I you're very biased. And since then, I just made very strong conclusions about how people really, you know, kind of mostly don't care about these things. They they, they don't really care. So, but to add to what Agwakame say, my point is, if you're Manchester United and you've said you care about diversity and inclusion for so long. Um, you've you you started this image campaign three four years ago, during I think before the pandemic, you know this is with the severe level of evidence, right? And just like you said, I'm, I don't know if it's guilty or not, but the severe level of evidence, you can you just in my opinion have to just stay clear and just let let Greenwood go if he wants to go rebuild his career somewhere else, you know another club. I mean I I wish he finds help, whatever help he needs, either or, or both of them. But from a footballing standpoint. I don't think Greenwood should play for much like again. This, those are my thoughts. Um, anybody wants to jump in? Tada, maybe? No, I mean, I think between the board of Yao, I mean, I think Yao hit the nail, um, the hammer on the nail very well. Um, yeah, as you said, I think, you know, clubs for a while, they, they don't take a hard stance on issues like this because if you look at missing Greenwood, there are a lot of people who depend on his income, right? So him working, him being a free man, is not just him being a free man. He puts the food on the table for a lot of people. And I can see a situation whereby folks will turn a blind eye to the things he has done uh, because they have a vested interest in that, right? I mean, uh -huh. Mr. Guru brings in, I don't know how much he was earning, 100 grand a, a week, maybe. Uh -huh. Out of 100 grand a week, 30% will go to managers, agents, and other people. Uh -huh. You write that up annually with endorsement. That is significant income, right? Uh -huh. So everyone does have a price morally. And maybe some people just say, well, even though he has done this, you know, it's 20 grand a month or 20, 30 grand a month that I'm getting uh, outweighs the, the moral stance that you should take. And I think clubs have done that many years when it comes to racism, domestic abuse. I mean, even in the United States, we suffered the same issue where NFL players will come out. And, and let's not be naive here. A lot of these clubs, they know these things. People talk mm -hmm. a lot. They know they just don't a blind eye until it comes out publicly. Yeah. And uh, once it comes out publicly, it's now it's no longer uh, a moral decision, it becomes economic. And here, <coughs> United will make an economic decision, not a moral decision. And I think, you know, and I, I try as much as possible because when it comes to the moral 
stance of these things, it gets very um, gray. People bringing their own personal experience and their own personal biases into the situation. Uh, but from an economic perspective, you cannot argue that missing Greenwood is bad business. So United needs to stay away from that. And, and I'm very, very sure their investigation is going to come out and say, you are going to stay away from Greenwood. But a part of me do hope that maybe long term, rather than just putting issues like this into a spreadsheet, we can maybe tackle it from an ethical and moral perspective. Uh, and, and, and also, too, I mean, not just to make this a long-winded thing, a lot of these young men need, need help, right? Like they... They, they come from very, very troubled backgrounds, right? And, and football clubs should do a much, much better job. The NBA has done this very, very well. Like a lot of young players go through a lot of training just to like help them, you know, unpack some of their emotional baggages. And a lot of these football players don't. So you have a young man who, and I don't know Mason Grunwood's background. I'm not going to speak to that. I'm making a massive generalization here. You have a lot of these young men who have tra uh, traumatic uh, past and you give them a lot of money and you give them a sense of entitlement and they do things like this because they feel like they're invisible, right? So he should not play for United. There's a bigger issue at play here and I don't think it's ever going to be solved because when, when money is involved, we just we just become, we become so morally loose and even me, myself, I see some situations whereby some players who may be fan of my club will be on the blind eye because, you know, you have a gain, you have something to gain from it. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, football just needs to look itself in the mirror and say, man, we need to do better about things like this. Because they knew about missing Greenwood. This has probably happened before. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it was scoring goals and it was doing well. So, right. no, it should not return to United. And there's a larger, more controversial uh, question at play. But I think between you and I, you guys uh, give a perfect response. I'll, I'll just buttress a couple of points you guys made um, and just say that the fact that Manchester United players are the ones saying they don't want him in the dressing room is significant. Yes. Um, I think that is an indication of of the underlying uh, point that Dada is making. Um, they probably know that he's done worse than this um, and that's not been made public. But I also feel like clubs make decisions um, and turn a blind eye morally if it hap if they need the financial gain, if they feel like the rewards of doing that would help significantly in their financial gain. And one situation was Kozuma, who was filmed, you know, kicking the cat. And he still played that weekend, despite the fact that the crowd didn't want him to play and all of those stuff. Clubs will make decisions based on themselves on their financial gain, um, and I see, I think in this scenario they feel like the risk uh, is not um, is not worth having him play in the squad. If this was Ronaldo at his prime, I'm pretty sure they would make a different decision, um, and that is a reflection of the hypocrisy um, that this player is going to have to deal with. Um, but on a firm moral grounding, there's a there's an argument that should be made that this he shouldn't play for Manchester United again. But should he ever play for another club? That's a conversation that we probably will need to have in the future. And ultimately, I think that he's going to end up somewhere else. So yeah, that's. I agree. I, I agree. I think he will. I think he will end up somewhere else. And I think I actually think it's easier for another club 
to snap him up and for that club to just go like, look, whatever he did, it's in the past. It's it's easier for another club to give him a uh what do they call it? A new a new beginning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fresh. Yeah. yeah. Manchester United cannot give him a, f- a fresh start because it's not fresh at Manchester United. He can go to somewhere maybe in Turkey or whatever, wherever he wants to play, and they can give him a fresh start. But certainly he can't get that at Manchester United. <clears throat> okay, okay. Uh, now that we're serious stuff out of the way, let's jump into the let's jump into you know what I called who actually won the transfer window. Let's talk about transfer window. We didn't have the time to talk about do deadline day on Wednesday. Everybody's just caught up in their lives. Uh, so we'll do a mini deadline day review. Um, we'll start with best signing. Uh, let's go to Raji. I feel like Raji feels like the one that's done like full data research. Like he was giving me some facts earlier. Raji probably <laughs> got a spreadsheet in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> You're on mute though, Raji. So yes, tell us who who is your best signing. I, I really can't say who the best signing is. I think that um, Let's project. We, we can we can look into like significant tr- signings and how they could affect teams. Okay. Um, I do I do think that Chelsea has made a significant amount of signings to improve their squad. Um, it's both a winner and a loser. Um, I think one of the conversations you always have with Chelsea fans. Yeah is the midfield is not strong, the midfield is not strong. Um, and I think that they've addressed a lot of that in this. They signed Mikhail, um, you know, Mikhail Mudrik as a left midfielder. You know, they've brought in some strong defensive midfielders like um, Enzo Fernandez. All these players are great, um, but I think that they also fall into the losers category too for me. Um, they're, both, they're both winners and losers. Enzo Fernandez was bought for 10 million. He was sold for 106.8 million. That's more than 10 times his value. I don't know if that is actually worth it. Um, but like I said, I don't know who's going to be the best signing. I have feelings about Anthony Gordon joining Newcastle. I thought I thought that could be a very good signing going forward, especially given the fact that um uh, Alan St. Maximin, who is a confidence player, is not playing very well. And the glimpses we saw of Anthony Gordon showed that he's a real class player. Um, but yeah, I would say that in terms of teams, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Bournemouth are probably the strongest. Um, and I, I have losers in Chelsea, Everton, Man City, and Liverpool. So I can go into more detail about the losers. I Please think I'm giving an indication about. Chelsea, I think Liverpool not signing a midfielder to improve their midfield, which is one of the you know the blind spots that we have for Chelsea is, is incredible. Everton getting 45 million and not being able to sign any player for for their team is horrible. And Liverpool and and uh, Man City, the loss of Cancelo, I think it's you could do, you could actually feel it in this game uh, that we just watched. So yeah, that's just my summary. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, comments, let me take comments. This, this was even before the pod starts, okay? Arsenal fans think they'll win the league. <laughs> he likes to rattle Arsenal fans. He just says, size lord. Yeah, Chelsea fan. Hailing on that Chelsea fan, I guess. <laughs> uh, Joanne uh, says, well said. Okay, this person, please 
put your name beside the comment. Your comments are coming from Facebook. I don't know who this oh, is. Let me answer that question. Let me yeah. let me just address that real quick. Um, yeah. this might be this might be Joanna because I don't I'm just guessing it's him. Um <clears throat> the reason I say the reason I say the the, the reason I say he cannot have a fresh start at Manchester United is, is that if he if he come if for any reason United resurrects his I mean his contract or if they choose to renew his contract, which I think currently ends in 2025, he still like he went from United to United. That there's nothing fresh about that. The reason he can have another fresh start. Uh, Oh, uh, the reason he can have a fresh start at another at another place. I'm I'm not saying he deserves a fresh start at, at another place. Don't don't conflate don't conflate uh, uh, my conclusion. I'm not saying he should have a fresh start at, at another place. I'm saying if another club signs him, they can more likely make the case for a fresh start than Manchester United can. So if he goes to if if say in 2026 now after you know what how many years of being out of football uh he goes and signs for al nasser with ronaldo and they can give him a fresh start um but if at this if in that same time period he comes back to united it's still not a fresh start regardless of regardless of what it may look like so um i just wanted to clarify that okay good 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 point um Oh, Joanne was saying that's not him. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't what know. About that. That. Oh, it's uh I, I didn't even talk about that. Today we're gonna try to do a calling show for like one or two people, not not take too much time. So if you're watching, if you want to call in, if you're in the comments, just post that you want to call in, and I will have Oga Kwame. I just sent you the link text message. I will government just go on the thing and you know post the Post the link to the person. Either you post it if it's okay. through Facebook, you just post it in the chat, you know, that's pinned on the group. If it's through okay. YouTube, just comment after it. It'll come up. Either or. Um Dara. Um, who do you think is the best signing? Man, so the thing about best signing is you know, well, you we, you at the same time if you want. Out, best signing, biggest surprise transfer. Yeah, I think I think I can say kind of like some of the best signings. And I'm not truly. I think Georgina to Arsenal is a, is a decent deal. Uh, it's just one of those players that he has Premiership experience. He can really get them through the finish line. Uh, he doesn't want to play 90 minutes. So I think you know people are joking about Jorginho, but I think that might actually work out for Arsenal considering where they are in the season. Uh, I think Chelsea to Enzo is a fantastic. I mean, Enzo to Chelsea is a fantastic deal. And I'm not just saying that as a Chelsea fan because that's what we really, really, really need. Um, I don't argue about transfer values. I think I'm going to say two things, and I probably wouldn't delve into that today. Number one, the current state of football is not a sustainable business model. So everything that we do in football is not sustainable long term. Second of all, valuations of players is very arbitrary. Like what, what a player is worth is you can argue from now to Jesus coming, you never resolve it. Because there's just a lot of intangibles that goes into valuation. So paying 45 billion for Anthony Gordon, playing 120 for Enzo, it all becomes a wash because there's a lot of uh, intangibles in valuation. So right, it's hard to justify what is the player worth. Uh, but in terms of what we needed, I think Chelsea got some really, really good signing. Now, the downside to making a lot of signing is you just don't know how it's all going to play out. So only time will tell because I mean, we did bring in a lot of players. And I, as you rightfully said, it doesn't seem like we have a plan. 
but also to the state of Chelsea, we don't have the luxury to have a plan. So you just have to buy what you can buy. Uh, I'm, I was really sad for Liverpool to not bring in any player. I feel like there was a team in the top, well, historically top six, that really, really needed one or two signings. I think that was Liverpool. Even if it's just signing an average player, maybe John Joe Shelby, someone to just kind of like... They bought Gakko. They bought Gakko. They bought Cody Gakko. 007. But they needed a midfielder. You said? 007 Gakko. Zero goal, zero assist, seven games. But wasn't it a, but was it, but he's a winger, right? Yeah, that, that's the that's transfer committee. Why did they go get a winger within the midfielder? <laughs> yeah, they needed, they really needed a midfielder. They probably just, they, you know, they don't even need a, matter of fact, you know what, all jokes apart, they could have even gone for Jorginho. Like, they just needed someone to just come in and do something, right? Even if it's just pass backwards or just sing in the, in the dance room, you can tell that team is like, Depleted. You could just every time you see Liverpool play, you just they just look like they're out of ideas and depleted. Um, I think that's it really for the for the transfer window. I mean, Nottingham Forest. Who did they sign? They signed Andre Ayew, and they also signed uh, the uh, Jesus Navas, right? Navas. Yeah, they signed Navas from from Nottingham. Navas, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did really well today. Yes, of course, he did really well. He's a top goalie. Like you kidding? The top goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, the top goalkeeper. So I mean, so those are the kind of winners. I think the jury set out on Chelsea, but the fact that we got Enzo and the fact that like Todd Bowley is a freaking size lord in his closing deals, flying out to uh, Portugal or whatever in his Gulf Stream closing <laughs> deal. I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So fine. I think it's right. So the, the top two winners really is Arsenal and Nottingham Forest. Uh, Chelsea will be in the middle and the loser by, by a long stretch is, um, is uh, Liverpool. Okay, yeah, I'll follow the theme since I, I came with this theme for like transfer video. For me, my best sign is I think that would be good is Pedro Poro, the wing back for Spurs. That kid is really good. Yeah. And he's going, to, he's going to, if he plays, which I think he'll play because Conte really wants him, it will revolutionize their, their right wing back. Uh-huh. If he did, that won't work out. I think it's uh, the one that is already showing Jao Felix. I don't think Felix is going to work out. Really? Yeah, because six months. I mean, he just he just, he just got suspended. Alone. I mean, yeah, but still, he still came in. It's a transfer. He came in, right? That's my point. He already suspended. He's going to come back in now. So many more players now. They have to gel at the same time, right? In that forward line. So they have like what seven, eight, nine people, almost ten forward players. And they feed him by striker. Correct. So we didn't win though. We didn't win a bunch. We did. We buy for Fana. Oh, is that if he's a striker? Okay, that's that's your strike. But but so why is why is Harvard still playing center forward? We also have Lukaku, right? <laughs> I mean, it's true. Let me take comments. Then I'll go back to say my my uh, transfer. Uh, <laughs> we need him for our team squad. Morally, he's not playing spot again, but we need him for our team squad. Nah, Nigeria picking. Let me let me let me just let me let me just let me let me address what Nigeria picking said because from from his comments, I can tell he's a United fan. Yeah. The point is this: we have first of all, we have a new coach, right? Who has not even seen Greenwood? Mm-hmm. Ten Hag has not worked with Greenwood at all. Yeah. He doesn't even know. Like he, Ten Hag walked into this whole Greenwood situation. So if, if the coach has survived without Greenwood this whole time, trust me, he can continue to survive. Now, does this mean we don't need strikers in the summer? Of course we do. But the point is, it, it's something he, he, never, he never used him in the first place. And, you know, the evidence shows that the evidence shows that he doesn't need to bring him back. 
I, I should I should also correct something that you said. He has seen Greenwood. He joined early in the summer, before even the the new season began. This whole issue started in October. No, so no, 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 October 2021. Oh, when he started. So he hasn't Got seen it. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe he's seen him physically, but I'm talking about on the train. I really think, really think he's seen him physically. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I don't think he's seen him at a restaurant or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I spoke out on it. They want. They don't want him in the camp. I don't see any other way. That's going to risk rocking the boat. If he wants to follow his career, move to China, Netherlands, Portugal, Russia, and start performing. Fair enough. Idris says, conflicted. It's, is it a moral thing or just turning a blind eye on the matter? Uh, Liverpool needed J5. They will defend Gakbo deal. Johan <laughs> uh, is always on their own. Man their, like that. Man like that. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I love it. 007 Gakbo. That's what I'm calling him. 007. Liverpool for Gakbo because money was out. Uh, I know this is a lot. And, and there's some Bobby Orange. No one up there. You needed two meters at least. Whopper and the Americans are only allowing 50 million in spend per window to club. That, that this is definitely a lie. Or, or this person, what's his name? Bola. No, Bola doesn't talk about that. Bola will usually show up with his DJ Kabiese. <laughs> but uh, but I would say that. He sound angry on his comments. I, I would say that yeah. a few weeks ago, I think the last time I came in this group, I, I, I mentioned that the Gakpo deal was not a good deal. Yeah, uh, because you know, why do you need to buy more wingers in a scenario like this? And I think yeah. that it's all playing out. Um, they don't they don't have any striker. I mean, they have people they consider to be strikers, Firmino, <laughs> but they're not even playing them. You know, it's um, it's it's a very weird um, transfer strategy. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I do want to talk on um, what um, what. Uh, that I mentioned, or should I say Size Lord mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the Arsenal. I think a couple of things that were mentioned, if you wanted to talk about where Arsenal needed to strengthen prior to the to the transfer window closing, they you needed to strengthen in the defence and they bought Jacob Kirio, who is going to add more. Yes. You needed to strengthen in the attack after the loss of Gabriel Jesus. They, they bought in Leandro Trossard. And you needed to strengthen in the midfield um, because uh, a lot of the things that a lot of people were saying was there was no depth in the midfield. And they brought in Jorginho, who is better than almost everybody there. So if the question is, can Arsenal, did Arsenal improve significantly? Absolutely. I would say yes. They are probably the ones who gained the most. It may not have been as evident in the last game where they lost against Everton, but I think in the long term, you will see situations where Everton, um, Arsenal is going to use the class of some of the players they bought um, as a, a, a way to improve their chances of winning. Um, but I, I, I also think that Chelsea's squad, I think it's unsustainable to have this many players, a lot of them not playing, not doing anything, just collecting a paycheck. I feel like it's been a problem for them for a long time. I, I, I we'll get I to know. Chess episode. We'll get to Chess episode. For anyway, sure. um, that's 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 my second two cents. Okay, uh, Dr. Sakat said, I don't know if my name is showing. Oh, so that's Dr. Sakat. You're you're right. That's that's him. Everyone everyone's father needs J five. Never forget this guy is J five. Who is just J five? Jorginho. Ah. Jorginho. Okay. Uh, 
So that I think the best signing is uh, like I said, I think Pedro Poro. I think that's gonna work out a lot. Deal that won't work out. I think it's Iceland is Jao Felix. I think we just not, not have enough games and before in the season we put that out, and you just wonder why did we buy this guy? But for me, the biggest surprise transfer is what we talked about earlier. I just saw a Kilo Navas to Nottingham Forest. Like, what? Three-time Champions League winner? Like, where? What? When I saw that, I was shocked. Like, how? Where? What's Kilo Navas doing in, in Nottingham Forest? You know? Even though they're not fighting relegation, right? They they look like they should be when you hear the name, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but they're not fighting. I, I looked at the position on the table. They're not fighting relegation. No, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. I think it's because he just... He just Kilo Navas just didn't have anywhere to fit in, you know? So yeah. With regards to Joe Felix, I, I we should also remember that Joe Felix is not signing to Chelsea permanently. Yep. This is a situation where I we all know that um, the manager from Atletico Madrid is probably going to be out at the end of the season, yep. and they needed um, um, that, that's Diego Simeone. They needed they needed him because probably they don't get along. So they needed Chelsea needed a striker. They they got him in there. Um, when the end of the season happens, he's going to leave Chelsea. He's not a long-term target for Chelsea. There's no, there's no decision to keep him in the squad. Um, I you don't, don't think, think that, I, you don't think I, will, 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 will slam 120 million on the table. I don't yeah. think that. No, I don't think Atletico no? Madrid is going to sell no matter what. Oh, really? You don't think Atletico sells? No. In the contract, there's no straight up loan. I know there's no obligation to buy, but I mean, it's, it's, it's. I don't. I think if Chelsea wants him, they get him. I don't think so. If they did, they would have put an option to buy, right? Yeah. We negotiated in the first place. Yeah, they did. They, 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 the options are there. Okay, okay come on. Your own thoughts, transfer window. You can go into. I think Arsenal, I think Arsenal won it. I think Arsenal won the transfer window. Uh, I'm just just going to copy and paste what Raji said. They, 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 they strengthen in every department. And um, yeah, especially, especially with that uh, midfield with Jorginho. And Leandro Trossard, that that guy, that that's the one that actually pained me the most. But yeah, Arsenal won the transfer window. <clears throat> Don says the Chelsea squad with Mario at, at the helm will walk the league for two seasons at least. Potter ain't caught out for managing such a squad of big egos. The second really, part, there's no big egos there though. The second part of the line, yeah, I understand what you mean. Potter not, doesn't have this experience, you know. With, there's no big egos though. Chelsea fans, our team doesn't have egos. Like we don't have any like big name players. I agree. I don't think there's any egos at Chelsea. I think I maybe what maybe what this person trying to say is that with that that many that many players so soon. Maybe that's the point. Oh, okay. We've brought in so many players in such a short time. It's very difficult for anybody to possibly. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I agree. With that. I agree with that. That first other part I don't agree with though. Hundred percent, do I agree with people? People be looking at Mourinho for thousand and five. Mourinho, that Mourinho part, nah, hell no. <laughs> like people are, people are for get that. out of here with that. Yeah, people will say anything. <laughs> but I, 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 we should point out that a lot of the um, Chelsea strikers and underperforming their their respective um, cost. Kai Havertz, before he joined, um, was a prolific striker. And he's joined and he makes some very terrible misses. Yeah. He's not very composed in front of the post. Um, I wonder if we're going to see similar situations with, um, you know, the, the new signings like Mudrik. I'm, I'm not entirely sure where it's going to go. Um, and the fact that we are not sure makes you wonder, you know, 
how this is all going to play out. So yeah, that's that. That's that, that, I, that, I, that I, is why is why did uh Modric come up at come off at halftime? I didn't watch the game. Was it like oh, he had a cold? He had a cold. He had a cold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what the manager said, right? I mean, I'm not in the dressing room. Okay. All right. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too fine, I guess. Um, Marshall, Marshall 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, don't, and don't forget that uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is still in the Chelsea squad, even though well, everybody is trying to forget who he is. Correct. That's true. One of the one of Europe's top strikers joined this Chelsea squad and he's not. Yeah, hey, we have to open a case because you know if this was any other manager, man, some some Chelsea fans I know on this pod, which where. We're not this forgiving, man. Like, it's a different era. It's a different era. Okay, okay. Uh, real quick, let me take these comments. Then, Ogakame, I want to know your thoughts about Sabitza. Just quick, quick thoughts about Sabitza. Then we'll move to the next section. Okay, all right. Oh, says, you want to take the comments first? Yeah, let me take comments. Okay, first. all right. John says they're not selling. They just don't give Felix games because the coach doesn't like him. Yeah, fair enough. It goes that we're Chelsea. He just is laughing my ass off. Uh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. These comments are just okay. Chelsea is too toxic for any player to win. Isn't that supposed to be the other way around, though? The fact that they're toxic, that's a player win, player power. Code excuse, we are waiting. <laughs> that's an Arsenal fan, I know. <laughs> Screw the code. We have tried, but we're, we've too much to play with Cucurella. Mm, that, that sign is looking like a real busty bust now. I'm like, you mean Cucurella? Yeah. <laughs> does, does everyone's Everyone's father is a top striker today. Come to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Idris keeps talking about everybody's father. <laughs> okay, okay, quick thoughts on Sabita. Marcel Sabita, I love him. What a what a midfielder. I've wanted this guy at United for at least three years now. When he was at Leipzig um, and went to Bayern Munich, I I was not happy. I really thought United would do that, and, and I think we looked at him a little bit. We just it was just one of those monitoring things, you know. Yeah, um, how are we? And it's it's so weird that you know United doesn't it, just like with Bruno Fernandez. Had Scott McTominay not gotten injured in that in that winter, we wouldn't have we would have never bought Bruno Fernandez. Absolutely. Now had Christian Eriksen not gotten you know mutilated by Andy Carroll, we would have, we would have never gotten. Uh, Marcel Sabitza. I like the guy. I, I like him. He's a very he's a very technical player. He's press resistant, and I'm in love with press re- resistant players. He can play out of the press, and he can carry out of the press as well. Um, when it comes to defensive presence as well and con- contributions defensively, he beats Ericsson by a mile. And you know that's no shade to Christian Ericsson at all. Ericsson is just not one of those. He's not one of those players. He's not dominating in terms of stature. And he's also not dominating in terms of, you know, how he runs around the field and uh, cuts passing lanes and makes tackles and intercepts and all those things. Sabitza does that. I would, almost, I would say he probably does it maybe at the same level as Fred, right? Uh, or, at the ver- or even more. And offensively, I don't, of course I'm not. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have enough evidence to say that he, uh, he gives the – he gives um, – the same he has good range of passing with both both his left and 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 his and his and his and his right feet um <clears throat> but i don't think i don't i've not seen enough to say that he passes ericsson in that sense but in terms of what it brings to the game as a replacement for ericsson 
I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say it might be a slight upgrade just because of his defensive contribution as well. So, man like Sabinos, you know, I like him. And the Niger guy, you know, kind of said the same thing. Sabi Sabi guy. Okay, let's move on swiftly to the, the new top four people. Newcastle. Okay. Um, I know we, we brought him on maybe twice, Raji. Um, so now, oh, Newcastle are in the top four. Yeah, I know every time Newcastle do us, Raji texts me in the background. When are we going to put respect on Newcastle? I said, don't worry. <laughs> Your time is coming. Too much. Anytime he texts me again, when I, I say, okay, okay. So I said, we have to bring it now because they qualified for their, Newcastle has qualified for their first final since 1999. Correct me if I'm wrong, Raji. I think it's the first final, cup final 1999. Yes, yes. And uh, you are in top four now, right? So yeah. the, the question is around, can you guys, do you think you can keep it to this end of the season? And have your targets changed? Because I think, remind me, you have told me top six. You know, the season. That's mm -hmm. what you for season. You are now in top four now. So, so take it away. So <clears throat> let's talk about this top four, top six situation. I will say that the way the transfer windows played out, it means that the club is not particularly keen on top four. If it was keen on top four, they would have gotten a central midfielder for sure to add to the depth of the squad. We got in some good forwards um, because one of the situations we have right now is that, you know, teams in the second half of seasons, teams figure out teams. Exactly. Look at Manchester City at the beginning of the season. Nobody could try to understand how to stop Haaland. As Haaland been scoring now, teams know how to play him now. It's always going to happen. And in the second season, we always see teams like West Ham, they all falter, they go from top four and start to lose games. So one of the things that, you know, you would know the ambition of the school, of the team by what positions they strengthen in the, in the January window. We let go of, um, what's his name? Um, our midfielder, John Joe Shelby. Um, and I think that the decision to let go of Shelby kind of gives an idea of what the ambitions of the squad is. I think that the club is fine with a top six um, and they will aim for a top four if they can get it. Now, having said that, I think that we are ahead of schedule. Um, and I think when getting into the top four is going to be very interesting. Tottenham is now on a roll. Um, they are one point behind Manchester uh, Newcastle United with one game ahead. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Newcastle has not had an easy set of games this last few weeks. West Ham is also on a run, and they, they scored uh, against Newcastle uh, in for the first time since October at home, which was a very weak goal if you look at it. We, could, we should have done better with that. But I think that going forward, I think what happens in the next few games is going to determine our season. Um, if we are able to beat Bournemouth, and uh, we're able to beat Liverpool, which are the next two games. Um, we will, we will, we will then know where the goal of the squad is. The fact that we don't have Bruno Guimaraes is going to be a significant loss for those games, because what you see is that when we play those games, we don't have any um, attacking forward progression from the midfield anymore. We have to play from the wings. It's easy to stop those. Um, and if those, if Bournemouth and Liverpool are able to stop those, uh, then we know that all right, we are in a bit of a of a rut. I still think that Newcastle finishes in the top four. I still think that, 
I still think that they're going to change the system for the next few games. Um, but I, I think that we have enough depth to be able to keep our current progression. Tottenham still has the same problem. They did a great job against Manchester City today, but I don't know if they can sustain that. Um, I still think we'll finish in the top four. And hopefully, you know, I have, I dreamt last night of Manchester United fans crying. Um, and I woke up because it was a happy dream. Um, that we win the cup for the first time in almost 50 years. So good times ahead. <laughs> uh, no, why would you wake up if it was a happy dream? <laughs> you, so you want me to die? <laughs> it just says, uh, don't I beg you. Saudi is copying and pasting size love, bullish template. The, the speed of that test schedule, you know, say money problem. Sars on the beats. That, that's not the right statement. No, the police the, template, the is, template is different. It's different. That's not the, they're, they're using more like uh, the mass cities approach, I think. Uh, Sovereign wealth fund money is, is interesting how you spend it. It's not really, you're not really return oriented. Because, I mean, you guys are, there's a little bit of like <coughs> going on with the Saudis, right? Yeah. White Todd Bully is just a pure size load. He's not, he's just trying to make money. Yeah, he's just he's just buying everybody up. Newcastle yeah. squad hasn't, I would say that even in this January window, we we, we got smaller. So they're yeah. trying to reduce the amount of players that we have um, and increase the specific kind of players. So they target specific players for specific roles based on the need of the coach. They don't just buy players. Yes, so it's it's one of the, and if they can't buy a player that matches what the expectations of the coaches, they don't buy at all. Yeah. Um it's so a it's a totally different system. Yeah, it's it's it, it mirrors more uh what City is doing. I think Chelsea is just more on a asset um accumulation mode. Yeah, rather than more of like building a strategic team. So yeah, it, you know, it's like kind of like McDonald's. People think they're in the fast food business, but they're in the real estate business. Chelsea is not in the it's not in the it's not, not a the, football team. It's not a football team. They are an asset team. They yeah, have all the players, they loan them out, um, and they make money from that. So I think it's a totally different different style. Okay, good comments, good comments, good points. Uh we've come to the last uh, quarter of the hour. So last 15 minutes to be specific. If people want to call in, let us know. It looks like everybody's ducking, they're ducking the smoke. It's okay. People are ducking the smoke. Uh, we could just keep going. Whatever that was calling, just say you want to call in comments. We'll send you the link. You call in to say your comments and you jump out. You don't have to stay throughout the end of the show. That's how we do it. Uh, it just replies, let's see, early days till Todd, Todd found loopholes. Um, basically, accumulation. Does anybody have any additional comments on Newcastle before we jump to the next topic? I mean, I, the only thing I look, the only thing they are going to win is a sippy cup. You guys are not yeah. winning that cup against Manchester United. That's all. Okay, I, I'm looking for. I want to see that video after that final cup when Manchester United loses. You know, I'm going to comment. I'm. I always comment when Manchester United loses. Oh, I know you do. I know you do, and I'll be waiting. In fact, I might even uh, fly out to California. I'm just saying. Somebody wants to call in. Summer, Summer, Fagadi wants to call in. So send in the link in the chat. Oh, okay. I I posted okay. it on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook link. Let me post it oh, again. Okay. Yeah, Samuel, I put it, if you look at the Facebook link at the first comment, it's there, but let me post it again. Just yeah, post it to him. So basically, reply to his own comment and post it to him so we can get Samuel on. Okay. Come on, talk. Don't just dreaming like Joseph. 
Be careful though. Eric works miracles. <laughs> I mean, um, hey, since now let's go to the one who told me I'm very interested in it. <laughs> Chelsea. Why are you very interested? Why? I mean, I just, just have don't it. forget that Joseph's dreams came true. <laughs> Chelsea is a new super team. So I specifically went to this. If are you worried or excited about these transfers? Of course, when I use worry, I'm talking of rival teams. I'm sure. So Dada, how excited? Are you about this transfer? Um, so Chelsea had a really exciting transfer window. Um, but I think I, I think too what's really interesting about this new Chelsea is more of just the, the the strategy and the way we're approaching things. Uh, you know, we're buying we're buying really good players for the future. We we now have a good uh, backroom staff, you know, we have a technical director, we have people who are in charge of transfers. You know, there's not there's not finally a strategic vision to the team. I think the way Chelsea Chelsea is going through a new era. I think the last era under Roman was more of a you have a, a central guy that just made all the decisions. And you know, and one thing that really helped Chelsea back then was Chelsea could execute deals really quick because it was just one person. So Roman would maybe you know, the, I mean, they'll make transfer recommendations to him, and Roman just had to decide what he wanted to do. But now we have a more kind of like an integrated process of going about it. So I think it's really, really exciting. Um, and then we have a lot of exciting talents, new players that are that are going to be good. And also to our ability to let go of, of uh, dead weight. Uh, you know, we're able to get rid of Jorginho. I would have sold ZH on the last day of, I mean, loaned him out to PSG. But there were, and I think the deal is still live. So... So that gives me a lot of positive. SCP letter is probably going to go next season. I would have loved if we didn't um, uh, sign Thiago Silva for another season. I think it's time to let him go. But I think just keeping him there is a good ambassador of the club. Yeah. Good spirit. Probably be good for the uh, for the for the locker room, mentor new players. So I think that's what he's there for. Um, and you know, there's a lot of what's the word? There's a lot of um, doubts. When it comes to our manager, uh, but that's not an issue. Like I feel like managers are easily replaceable. I don't have any problem with people letting go of managers, but I think also too they should give him to the end of next season to really build out the squad. Um, you know, really have players gelling well and playing well together. Uh, so yeah, so I think on a scale of one to ten, I'm really really excited about this new project. I think it's going to be fantastic, uh, and I'm also even more excited about the players that we're, that we're getting. So it's. It's all smiles here. Uh, the season is a wash. I think Chelsea's season is done. Um, the best we can muster would be a decent Champions League run and then maybe not finish bottom half of the table. But, you know, we can use this from now to the end of the season to keep cohesion within the team, keep all our players fit. We'll see what happens next season. I, I, I think it's worrying to... I think the, the is Chelsea the new super team is is, is an interesting question. Yeah, I don't think we're a super team though. Sorry, I, yeah, I was just yeah, about to say that. Yeah, let, I, I think we need to address that. We're not a super team. A lot of the players that we bought are not in the club, right? We we bought them for the hope of a potential. It's like you're buying a player that you hope that in the next two three years it will grow into something. So we're playing for a lot of upside. Uh, if you look at the Chelsea team, very few of our players can walk into. Any squad now, we're like, man, I gotta have this player. I think we're, we're really buying for the future, uh, so we're far from a from a super team. 
I mean, I hate to say it. I think City and United are probably more of a super team than we are. I think we're we're, okay. we're really bright for the future. Okay. You said City and United. Before I address that, let's let's welcome someone to the live show. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining. By the way, let me tell you, Salman is only here because Man City lost. If Man City did not lose today, Salman would not be here. Top of the league business, bro. I know that's why you're here. Business, bro. Salman, rate Arsenal's transfer window. Let's let's take the word. Rate Arsenal's transfer window. Rate. Right. Um, I think I'll rate. Um, personally, I think I'll rate you probably, uh, um, seven out of ten. And um, the reason why I'm saying that, right, is because obviously, um, our last um. Uh, the um the last player we bought, which is um uh Jorginho from um Chelsea, uh, because I honestly I think it's no um the player we actually wanted. Um, obviously we um um we tried signing um um Caicedo from Brighton and um, nothing happened. So before you know what, let's just go for you know a more experienced player and all that. So for that reason, right, um, I'll give you seven out of ten to be honest. Um, but uh, personally, I don't think um, um, Jorginho is, um, is a bad player. I just think um, um, it's past it, to be honest. And um, the fact that he's going to be a backup to party, I'm not complaining. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, we signed him at, um, 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 for a short contract, like 18 months contract, which is quite good. So, which means, you know, if you don't want him anymore, we can still get um, a top, top... Um, defensive media in, in the summer, you know, and just letting go. So which is quite good. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to be honest. Uh, so I'll read really I'll, um, I'll give 10 out of 10, yeah. That's what I'm gonna give it anyway. Does Arsenal go to win the league summer now that we have a life? Um <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, I'm starting to believe. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? And the reason why I'm believing right, the reason why I've got that belief a little bit is because of Mansi. You know, the Mansi that I know, you know what I mean, would have Gone on to smash sports today, yeah. you know what I mean. And the Mansi that we all know is not same Mansi. I mean, it's not same Mansi this season. Do you know what I mean? They're not really uh, um, um, achieved this season. And obviously, I think there's more to it as well. That camp is not set to because if Pep um, could allow um, one of his key players right to leave in January, which means something's not right somewhere, and he left uh, De Bruyne on the bench as well. So something's going on. And obviously, I mean, if you look at the game altogether, do you know what I mean? I don't think they are this season. And for that reason, I think we've got a chance, to be honest. And also, people keep keep forgetting as well. My United, you guys are coming up as well. Hey, stop it. No, Man, honestly. You're moving, bro, you're moving listen, right now. Listen, you're listen, moving, listen, moving. Listen, listen I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm that person right here. I look around me a lot, yeah? And looking at my, um, my United, I think your only problem is if you keep losing uh, Casemiro. You know, like that, then you have a problem because I don't think there's anybody that's gonna make your team think the way it does. Yeah. And if you keep losing that way, then you have a problem. But aside that, I think you guys are you need top top, top form right now, and um, it might cause a bit of problem. But Massey, no, I don't think Massey will give us a problem at all this season, to be honest. And that's why I'm starting to believe a little bit. I uh, I'm going to say that um, the point that Samuel made about De Bruyne on the bench is significant. Yeah. Because De Bruyne on the bench today in a game like this yeah. um, kind of shows that there's some unsettling stuff happening in the yeah, background. 
Yeah. Um, people who know, know. Um, but the conversation that has been going on is that Cancelo has been looking to leave uh, for a while. Um, and I think that his sprite, uh, his sprightness when he joined uh, Bayern Munich kind of shows that, you know, this is something that he wants. Um, and I think that the conversation with De Bruyne could have gone from the fact that maybe he didn't want Cancelo to leave. Um, Manchester City was one of the teams that I consider to have lost, uh, lost this um, transfer window. And I think that it's going to it's going to play a significant. I think that the fact that their back four is really weak. Any team, I, I, I don't know how many clean sheets they've had this season, but I don't think it's a lot. Um, the goal they scored this weekend, uh, this that Tottenham scored them was just horrible when you look yeah. at it. Um, and all Tottenham had to do was um, stop Haaland from going in, um, and all of a sudden, irrespective of what. Uh, Manchester City did in the midfield, they were not able to score. They had 65% of possession and they still weren't able to score. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, Manchester City may not be the team that everybody thinks it is, yeah. but you should also not write them off because they're still Manchester City. Yeah, yeah. And um, also, also before I leave you guys, right, I just want to chip it quickly, right, as well, yeah. We must see. When the ball are in, right, um, I think they actually... Um, um, how would I put it? Change their game a little bit yeah. to suit Alan. Do you know what I mean? Because if you look at Master Era of the past, right, they could play an entire season without a striker, bro. Because, you know, mm-hmm. they 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 tend to like move the ball around a lot. And, you know, you don't really know where the goal is coming from. So you don't know who to mark and all that. But with this one, you can easily know they're looking for Alan. And if you if you if you just uh, just totally mark him out, there's nothing, they've got okay. nothing left. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that as well is going to play, you know, on our part as well. And I think the next game is going to be uh, massively important though, for us now. If you can beat Brentford at home, you know, then we obviously will go eight points, um, you know, um, at the top, which is quite good. So, yeah, we'll see. I think that they've been trying to mitigate that by getting Haaland to move back into the, the midfield. That's not his game, though. I mean, yeah, no that's, that's not his game. game. But I, I think that they know of the limitations they have and yeah. they've been trying to force Haaland back um, and he tried to do that today, uh, but you, that's as you all know, when Haaland is in front, that's where he's most deadly. He's not a, the great greatest passer. He doesn't do the ball handling very well. He's not a midfielder. He's a blunt force striker, um, and he can't he can't be as effective as he would be if he was in the front. If you have De Bruyne, you don't need to bring Haaland Haaland deep. If you have De Bruyne on the pitch, they didn't have De Bruyne for most of that game. They did, and that's what I'm saying. Pep needs to suck it up, bring back De Bruyne, bring back Ruben Diaz, bring back Laporte because Akanji and Ake, they're not cutting it. Yeah. Point blank, period. Yeah. Right. I said they cut too deep this season, man. Shevchenko, Sterling, Jesus, yeah. now Marcello. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't lose those four players. Those two players, yeah. The main team now. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, I think, I think they, they went too far with the transfer out. They went too far with that. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Those are key players that can really change your game if you're having a yeah, I think that J- Jesus being in the game today would have been significant. For them. Yeah. Or, or even, even, or even just, or even just swap, uh, uh, swap, um, um, Hurricane with Alan. That would have been totally different. You know, because Hurricane yeah. can actually come into the midfield, get the ball, you know, just pull up and all that. Or like Alan, yeah. you can't do all that. So, 
that's the problem they've got in our city. But I mean, my 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 prayer is that problem just keeps coming up because I want him to just fall. I get honestly, I'm loving Liverpool right now. Liverpool are like they're like the new succeed to me, bro. <laughs> I want to go to Anfield right. Take me to Anfield right now, bro. Take me to Anfield right now. I swear to God, I'll pepper him at Anfield. I swear to God, man. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy right here. And obviously, um, before I leave as well, my last, um, 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 how do I put it? My last um, opinion, right, on um, Greenwood, right? He's, uh, I mean, I used to love that boy a lot, yeah, honestly. And um, it's one, it's one boy that I've looked, um, you know, I've looked into since he started playing at my night, and I thought to myself, he's gonna, you know, become a super, super player. But I think, um, I don't think he's gonna ruin him again. And um, also, I think uh, you know the 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 Premier League right is quite is quite um, how do I put it is 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 a wicked place, you know, for any coloured player. Do you know what I mean? If you're coloured, right, and he's a black guy, if you're coloured, then and you're you know you've got that kind of problem, you know, where obviously you've been charged or you've been you know you've been uh, um, 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 sent to court for something like that. There's no way you can survive because even mm. if I mean, he gets back to United. All the fans, right? All the all the opening fans, right, will never forgive you. Every mm. time he gets the ball, they get him. They'll they'll, they'll they'll probably come up with a song, just to just you know what I mean, just to ruin his entire game and all that. Yeah. So I think he's gonna leave now. I don't. I'm not sure now will get him back. I think they'll let him go, and he might go somewhere else and start um, his football together. But I don't think he's gonna get to the top anymore. That's my own opinion, anyway. But yeah. that's it. Yeah. Thanks for calling, them. thanks for calling, Sam. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's let's finish wrap up on Chelsea, right? Let me do my thoughts on Chelsea. Um, I think this uh, approach is that, that I come back, come back here, don't run away. Um, <laughs> I think it's this approach, <laughs> this approach by Chelsea is high high risk, high reward, um, long term. Because what you're banking on is so many things. You're banking on dressing room dynamics. You're banking on each of those players developing to the potential that you want. You know, each of them maximize the pressure. You're banking on the manager to figure out each role. Because you know that, first of all, not all transfers will work out. It's just, it's just plain economics. In, there's no, no, whether it's Pep at the speak, Mourinho at the speak, even Klopp, right? Which almost all their transfers are working out. There were some that still did not work out. So all the transfers did not work out. So now you're now banking on the manager having to quickly figure out who am I building the team round of round, right? And when I say that, I use that loosely in the sense that which profile of players do they mix and match and balance each other out. There's too many things at the same time. It's a, I think it's a very, very, very super high risk approach for squad building. It's so super high risk just because the Premier League of 2005. Because I think Chelsea tried to do this before under um, Abramovich in 2003, 2005, right? But that Premier League is not the Premier League of this season. It's gone. That Premier League is long gone. It's long gone because everybody... This, In fact, the Premier League is the Super League, right? This way that didn't happen. It's the Premier League now. The Premier League is the Super League. Everybody has quality. And I think it's a high-risk approach. And I think it's on, kind of slightly unfair on... Um, what's his name? Potter to do that. Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you, have, you have now put why because you have too many players that he now has to figure out very, very quickly yeah. who do I let go, who do I play, 
How do I balance egos? How do I too much to some? Yeah, yeah, but I don't think all that decision is on is on him though. How do I make people happy? Because this is what happened to Lampard. People forget this. Yeah, yeah Lampard, but all like Lampard was all is not on him though. It's not just on Potter though. One is not on Potter. Two is it is no no. What I'm saying is like one is not just on Potter because when it comes to there's some players that are going to leave Chelsea come yeah. the end of the season. That's one. And two, the question that a lot of people keep forgetting is, so like I, I get it, like, but the thing is that Chelsea, we don't have the luxury of building like every year, bringing one player this year, bringing another player this year. Like right. the team, the team. Well, the reason being is this: the team needed like a rebuild like six years ago. We didn't do that. Like when we let go of Hazard, that's when we should have rebuilt this team. We didn't. What we did every season was. We bring in one star player, expect them to provide shock therapy. If that doesn't work out, we'll do it next season. So Chelsea has not actually, are you ready? So Chelsea has not actually like gone through a team building process. So I'm not in this decisions, but my guess, if I was to guess why they took this approach was two reasons. They saw a loophole in FFP that they wanted to exploit. Yeah. And so they felt like, okay, you know what? We need to bring in all these players now because next season we would not be able to do that's one of my that's one of my guesses. Once again, I'm just speculating here. The second thing is too, they're also really assets accumulating. It's like, let's look at all the top talent. If it doesn't work out, how much can we salvage from these players? So that's one approach. And those two things I've mentioned are kind of like non-footballing approach. And number three, too, is all these players are not really buying for Potter. So I think the decision is made consulting him. Like, yeah, they bring him into play. Like, here's what we're thinking, here's the profile. But they're also looking at like, okay, if we build this team, we have all this raw talent in a in a situation where we let go of Potter, can a top manager make this work? And in a situation that a top manager cannot make work, what can you let go and then what can you reshuffle? So I think if you put all those three ideas together, that is why. Because we're not like a, a city or a Liverpool to where like we have a core identity and then we can say, okay, next season, let's buy this, next season, let's buy this, right? And we don't have a Ten Hag of a manager that can just come in and like make concussion, make something work, and then you guys can go back to the drawing board. Uh, drawing board. And number three, Chelsea does not have debts. Roman Abramovich absorbed 250 million of our debts. So we're debt-free. We have, you want to exploit um, loopholes, right? You don't really have a structure in place. This is what you do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so don't look at it as like a, a well-run organization. Chelsea is a shit show. We were a shit show last season. This is continuation of a club that is a shit show. And that's, like, and that's all you can do is, man, you know what? We're, we're going to start from the beginning. Let's just do this. In the, let's just do this however we can. So you, you, you're thinking from a footballing aspect of something that makes sense. Nah, this is a crappy-ass club. This is a club that um, one, one man got, Roman, got sanctioned, and the entire club fell apart. Yeah. How can a club yeah. fall apart because of one man? Well, what, what's, yeah. what's, what's very interesting to me is Chelsea is kind of taking the chicken and the egg approach, you know, in the sense that now I'm seeing that you guys have recruited a director of football. You have two directors of football. I saw Chelsea hierarchy, but you did director of football after you complete transfer window. This just happened this week, director of football. We've been talking to him. So, so why did you do the other way around, right? Just hold on, get director of football like they have. I'm not saying it's time. It's time. But then it's time. Like, 11 players? This, like, no, no, but, but it's time, bro. It's time. Because if you, you have to think about this, your transfer window opens. You have a loophole that you want to exploit. You need to do it. Because you don't know when the director of football is going to be available. Well, I understand that loophole. <laughs> what's the, what is the rush to exploit a loophole? But when you now make bad transfer decisions, we say, yeah, you talk about this every time. Mm -hmm. One of the worst 
it's better sometimes not to do anything than to make a bad transfer decision. Because you yeah. make a bad transfer decision, you're going to have to spend like two years. It would set you back. These transfers could set Chelsea back. I don't know why people are not seeing that. It could mm. set Chelsea back. No, it's not like they're not seeing it, though, but you don't really have the choice. That's, my, that's the point I'm trying to make. You do. have a choice, though. I, 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 I want to make I think, a quick point real quick about this before we divert. I, I think that one of the things that you talked about, that was the fact that uh, Chelsea has... Uh, has not rebuilt since we they got rid of Hazard. Yeah, I, I I disagree with that statement. They bought it. One of the one of the reasons why they brought in Kai Havertz, they brought in Hakim Ziyech was to rebuild for the future with those players. One of the reasons why Conor Gallagher has gone in from the academy to the squad is because of that. And one of the reasons why they bought players like Kani Chikoemeka in the midfield is that the problem is they buy all these players. Kani Chikoemeka has only played eight games this season. They don't use the players that they buy and then they add more. And at the end of this, you know, when they need to draw the numbers, they have this big squad and they have to choose only 25. Um, some people are going to be angry and some people are going to be sad and they're all going to be in the dressing room coming in every day to train. So that is going to build um, a feeling of angst um, in the squad. I don't think it's a good situation to be in. Um, and you know, don't forget, we still have Denis Zakaria in the squad, and they bought you know, Enzo Fernandez. He's on loan. Zakaria is on loan. He's on loan. And then keep in mind too, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of Kanten, right? <clears throat> Kovacic will most likely leave, right? So and then we'll get rid of Jorginho. So those are three midfielders that we'll get rid of, and those people that you mentioned, they're gonna fill in that role. So it's not like that. I guess what I'm saying is there's a method to the madness, but considering where we were coming from, this is the only option that we, we have. But the method right? is the same, Dada. It's literally the same thing. That no, it's not. It's not the same from where we were before. What just did under Lampard. Like, they just bought a whole bunch of players for Lampard, and some of them were kind of younger, some were like maybe a little bit peak prime age. The only difference is all the transfers are Younger players, think about it. that's the only difference. But you guys bought like spend like I think that time, like 250 million on that Lampard. We bought Timo, right? You bought DH. DH, you bought Harvard. Right. Don't forget you still have Trevor um um Chaloba is still is in your team. Lukaku is still a player too. Lukaku's cheek is still in the Chelsea midfield. Right, we probably shouldn't have signed Lukaku, right? Timo went at Harvard. Where maybe they were not necessarily future talent, they were somewhat established. Yep. Right. I, that's, that's, that's not rebuilding the team. You're not rebuilding the team because when we bought Timo, when we bought Habert, we really need a midfielder. Right. Christian like, Pulisic. We played injured Kante and side to side Jorginho for how many years now? We should have been bought a, a midfielder like almost two seasons ago, but we didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Because Chelsea approach has always been shock therapy. If the if the manager doesn't work out, buy a new player. If a new player doesn't work out, fire the manager, and it becomes yeah. this cycle that we've been doing for a long time. Because Roman, Roman really didn't care. Roman was just like, I just need to win. Roman was not building a sustainable business. Right now, Chelsea is, but is on a path to be somewhat sustainable as football is concerned. Because you're signing like long-term talent that you can sell, right? And you're amortizing over their wage period, paying them low wages. Chelsea's wage bill is going to be lower next season than it was two seasons ago. That's, Do you know that? That's what I'm saying. So they're ability for you to lower your wage bill. But that might not, that, that might not get you points in the league. That's like a, a, a step in the right direction. 
But you get let go of all this um, 300K with players. You're bringing in Enzo, all these hungry players. You're giving them 80K, 90K, 100 grand with some performance clauses there. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I get you, and I do what? This is not what we should be doing. But, like, it's a horribly run organization for many, many years. There's... Okay, let's just, it just wants to jump in. Idris, okay. Yeah, gentlemen, pleasure to join real quick. Since because it was Chelsea thing, that's what I was like, no, I need to get on this. So, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, basically, um, poorly wrong club to me is subjective. I, I'll just quickly throw that in there. I'll explain why. Based on how sanctions have been done in today's modern time, if any owner is part of a club and the club is sanctioned, then all you have to decouple that person or that entity out of the entire financial structure of that club. So, if you, if you look at it from the example that I gave, which is not wrong, like, okay, they sanctioned one guy and the whole club was frozen. Today's way sanctions are being used, depending on your political beliefs, social beliefs, religious beliefs, or whatever you believe, it is not a sustainable place to enhance business for people to come in. It is used frivolously in such a way that, like, even if five of us own an entity and you sanction one of our persons in here, the club will be frozen, whether you like it or not, because our finances are entangled. You, you, you feel me? Now, it might be more easier to remove, say, me being the sanctioned person so that the four other, the four other owners can actually run the club. That's, that's a different uh, situation. You get me? If Newcastle is sanctioned today because of the Saudi Wealth Fund, the entire of your finances are actually being frozen. Are you going to claim it's not a well-run club? Do you see where I'm going with the whole thing? So that's the part I might push back a bit. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just pushing back. Now, when it comes to the way we are signing, we need to, um, I need to actually also support that down this point. We used to sign stopgap, stopgap. And during the Azad period, when we lost Oscar and a few other guys of that set, we should have literally offloaded and gotten a new set. What we ended up doing was buying a, a very good player, bringing the player in. It doesn't work. We fired the coach. If you look at from Sari till today and look at the, 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 the um, tactical philosophy of the coaches we've hired, it's never been a progression of you know, the same philosophy or identity. It's been one counter offensive, uh, one counter coach. Actually, we went from Conte to a possession uh, driven coach in Sari. From Sari, to um, Lampard, who is just cutting his teeth and is an all-offensive coach, no brain at the back. Then we went to, um, what's his name, um, 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 Tuchio, who actually is a pragmatic 4-3-3 coach, who had to switch his team to play counter-attack because of the players we had signed for Sarri. So when we're actually talking about gutting the, the, the core of the team to actually replace them, I think people don't realize that when Hazard left, that was 50% of Chelsea's goal scored. These are stats that, I mean, we've gone back and forth here, um, I about it. 50% of goals scored, I'm oh, sorry, one-fourth of the goals scored and one-fourth of the goals assists was one man. So he peppered over a lot of cracks for Chelsea, a lot of cracks. So when he left, the reality of the team's abilities were now shown. When yeah. Kante gets injured, we go from literally top team fighting for top four to where we are today, 10th fighting relegation. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but you understand. So... When we are talking about where we bought Werner, we bought Lukaku, we bought all these people and their fathers, you come to Chelsea, you earn your father's name, and you realize that we have players that don't complement other players. So in this case, there's also one misconception I want to actually change, that we purchased players uh, without the consent, um, not without the consent, of the two uh, technical directors. That is false. They have been identified. We went after those some of those uh, guys while they were still in full... Uh, time employment to other clubs. 
because of legal reasons, we couldn't have these guys announced as our, our technical directors or te technical football. But do not miss the fact that they were already working for the club on who they were going to hire. If you look at when the first time when they fired Tuchel, when we would go for a player, and they were eat Barcelona, the broke, broke club Barcelona was eating our bread left, right, center. Everybody and I are here defended Tuchel saying he didn't want to be a technical guy, he just wanted to coach. There's no way I own the club and they are embarrassing me like this in public. And my guy is telling me that's not his career path. I'm firing you, getting the people that are interested, and I'm going to build based on the consulting um, knowledge I have. And I do believe that Todd Bowley didn't go for all these signings. If you look at the way we went for players and we got embarrassed in the market, and this time we were going in there and chewing everybody's lunch, including Arsenal, by the way, even if I don't win anything, that's the only thing I, I will accept. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you cannot, you cannot say you don't see the difference on strategy, acquisition of players, everything that I said from a financial standpoint, which is very knowledgeable at, in reducing um, financial uh, burden on the club from a wage structure and also finding loopholes to actually get this done so that we can actually spend strategically next season. What we have now with the technical advisors that I do believe were part of these of this, uh, acquisitions, the kind of coaches we'll acquire down the line will not be drastically different from what we've done in the past, going counter-offensive coach to possession coach, to, and you just have a mix. Jorginho had to go. You understand? Jorginho had to go. And it's not because I hate Jorginho. We were not... Yes, just, it's because you hate Jorginho. Yeah, <laughs> at point, we were not, no, it's even unfair to J5. We were not using him well. We weren't. Like, we, we, we just... When Kante that can make Kovacic and Jorginho play well, that is the core. Build up, defense, everything for a team. We didn't got that. We kept doing everything peripheral. But now that he's out, now that we have young players coming through, now we spent this money. I can assure you the caliber and the characteristics of the players will complement each other better than what we had. And that I mentioned, um, a lot of players on the every wage bill are leaving. By one day, Kante has been putting bandage on a lot of Chelsea problems. Like Thank you. We've run him down. A lot of Chelsea problems. We've like, run Horrible midfield, horrible forward. And then what saved us maybe last year or two seasons ago was Rich James and Chiwell just decided to be a Thank piece. You know what What happened to those two workhorses when exactly. they went down? They went down. The moment Rich James, Chiwell, and Kante went down, that team went from 80% to like 20 that was really club now. Let's take comments. Let's take comments. Thank you very much Let's for having me. Let me let me because me, I can keep talking. Yes, we know. Go, go, go. Get out of here. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> for how much, sir? Then let's go to Donkey and Kudos and Donkey. Oh god, this is a joint. We won't hear what again. <laughs> uh, do you believe Potter had a say in all the players that are yes or no? Quick answer. Well, I don't know if he had a say, but I don't think it. I don't think it did. It was consulted. He probably got his input. We can't hear your voice from the ninth. Uh, Kulibali is gonna leave to oh, yeah, he might leave. Wait, did Potter sign these players? Why would a manager be signing players? Kulibali says he's gonna leave, he might leave. Well, you guys just bought this is what I'm saying. You just bought him this season, give him a four year contract, and you're gonna eat the cost. Should be, uh, no, no. they were talking about Rahim's, they were talking about Chelsea being open to a bid from, from Rahim. Yeah, so, yeah, why, not, what, what I'm why should you? No, let me ask you a question, bro. Why do you have to sign a player and if it's not working out? Why do you have to keep them long term? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying you have to keep it, them. But that's it just, that's it just, the just, that's what you avoid going forward. But you are never learning from that. That's what I'm saying. 
I'm gonna say that. Like, so you brought you we bought Kulibali pre pre this, you know, more like okay, technical directors and everything. You buy a player, if he's not working out, why should you keep the player? But I mean, this shows like, this shows a flaw in the technical director's position because no, the technical director no, should be thinking should be thinking ball. long term. There must have been a reason why they bought Kulibali. And if you lose him after one season, that means you didn't do enough research to know. Right. So, like I don't think that it helps for all right? Not all transfers work out, right? So but Chelsea to has too many transfers that don't work out. But when, when? This is the problem, though, no? Kulibali oh, is God. an example of a transfer oh, that didn't God. work out. Oh, my God. Not this guy. Not this guy. Okay, we need to have a limit on the amount of the number of Arsenal fans. Anyone, anyone, you guys have to be a better girl screening guest, man. Honestly, honestly, bro. Honestly, two Arsenal fans in one show. No, 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 no. Yes, you guys are not allowed to tell you. I haven't even said anything. I've not said anything. We don't need to say anything. That's the point. We don't want you to say anything. Wow. I'm not talking about Arsenal. I'm not talking about Arsenal. So what do you want to do? You want to talk about Chelsea? I want to talk about Chelsea because I'm having a lot of falsehoods that I don't agree with. Okay. I think that Chelsea is a super club. I don't know why these guys here are trying to... It's super club. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, 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 hold up. You're a super club building a super team. Last year, you went for every single player Arsenal wanted. Jesus, you bid for him. There's no player. United won a couple of players. Chelsea went for them. They, all of them didn't always say yes. So you, you, you went for the midfielder that made the biggest splash by winning the World Cup. There's no way you tell me all these players were identified by a coach like Potter or Potter has a say. And I do agree with what I, I am saying. But, but hold on, hold on. You're making it sound like, oh, now Chelsea, or it is making it sound like Chelsea's buying the right players to suit this play. This is a shotgun approach to soak up all the good young talent and see if it works. There's no rhyme or reason to it. That's asset accumulation. First of all, this whole idea of Chelsea but, but the point is, players. There's a small amount of universe of players there. Top clubs can go for no, no, but hold up. Look, look at how City built their team. Look at how City built their team, right? And you have to have organization, you have to have a structure that says, These are the profile of players I want. I want them to complement one another, I want them to fight one another. And they're not all going to be a hundred million dollar player. Some of them will be 15 million, some of them will be 20. They had a structure, right? Just so we don't have a structure. But how is a coach? Think about it. Look, Potter was asked when Yao Felix came. And then two weeks later, Modric came. I think someone asked him, did you know? He's like, guys, they bring me players. I try to make it work. I think you're setting Potter up for, for a, a, a scenario, right, where the players have more power than him. Because if player knows I'm happen. there eight so, years. Sorry, sorry, but but let, me, let me make my point. Any, okay. any player that doesn't feel, think about Pep's ability to tell Can, Cancelo, you don't want to listen to me, bye. That's important in any club. I'm sorry, right? No, it's not, we, actually. It's not important in any club. I, I do think it's important because remember Arsenal did this thing with Emery, right? I'm, Emery was the first guy we bought post-Wenger. We said Wenger had too much power. We're going to bring in Emery. We're going to make him coach, right? And then the guy was like, I want Wilfred Zaha. Then we had this guy that came from Barcelona and said, nah, 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 nah. There are better options market. Let me go and get you Pepe. That was 72 million. And it never really did work. Now, both of them have left, right? Ateta was brought in as a manager, for, as a coach, first of all. Yeah. Then the club was like, you can't be, you can't have so many people in, not so many people, but you can't have diverse 
opinions and then have a dress room that a player feels like I have more power. Ozil, Aubameyang, all these guys, they felt like, what's this guy saying? I have more power. I'm on the long-term contract, not him. So he does want me to train. I'm here for eight years, not him. And I can tell you with footballers and egos, it is bound to happen. Not every footballer goes through a season happy with their playing time, not in the top team. So I feel like you set up Potter for the reason to fire him either at the end of this season or next season. And there's no way this this, this strategy works in the short but, term. But so let me make a quick point, though. Let me make a quick point, if I may. You, you mentioned City. So first of all, I'm really big on corporate organization and corporate governance. City's project started way before Pep. When, when Pep, Pep complemented City, not the other way around. When Pep came to, before Pep joined City, four years ago, they knew they were going to bring in Pep. They were already setting up their infrastructure and everything in anticipation of Pep. And I'm pretty sure City as organization, they know who their manager is going to be post-Pep. Yeah. They do. Because they plan ahead. They're a well-run organization. They're a ball boy. They are a lawn man, the Jersey guy. They're all buying to the strategic vision. You kind of have an idea of what City is going to do. Chelsea, on the other hand, I don't know who Chelsea's manager is going to be. I don't even know the profile of the new manager. Because three years ago, we were not ramped like that. We're not that kind of organization. We brought in Moreno because he was available. They were brought in Conte, who was a back three manager. They were brought in um, Sari, that all have different philosophies and different ways of doing things. And every year, it, it, all, it, it changes. So the point where one manager is like, man, I don't even like this fitness, fitness um, coach or this fitness manager. Bring me this star because I like my players to be carb-loaded. This one's like, no, I like them to be protein-loaded. This is my point. So my point is like, we don't have that city luxury. So yeah, I do agree with you. What we're aspiring to be is what City is doing, what is what Arsenal is doing. And I go back to Newcastle. Newcastle's approach, I, I respect it a lot. They're not going from zero to 100. They're making graduate changes. So over time, build a team. Chelsea could have taken that approach. But the reason why Chelsea cannot take that approach is that, first of all, we don't have debt. And second of all, the expectation from Chelsea fans is different. So I do think long-term, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a proper organization, right? That they can start signing players for a certain profile. I think they'll get there. But my point is, and everyone does it. I think you're, you're going to make the same mistake United made a few years ago. That's which my, my verdict. Which, which is, is you just you just sign a high-profile player that's expensive. That a, wants. A, whether a it's Maguire, whether it's Luke Shaw, whether sorry, whether whether you want to bring Lukaku back, and then you figure out, oh well, the manager is not making it work. Let's get rid of him. Bring another manager. You don't want to take your medicine and rebuild properly, forgetting that a football team is more than just stars, right? PSG, that's why PSG can't win the Champions League. It's not because they don't have the best talent. And they've been trying this super structure for so long. So I, I just think it's, it's very short-termism. And ultimately, football, especially in the Premier League, doesn't work like that. Well, like we saw from today's game. To build a proper team, just want to go out and build a proper team. How long is that going to take? Five years? I think no, years? I think it will take two to three years because you have a good exactly. core. But you're not, yeah, you're you're not, not ten. Two, you don't want to do two to three years for two reasons. One, as I said earlier on, I don't know if you heard this. I felt like Todd Bully as a as a as a group of the strongest points. And I also yeah. think that what they're trying to do is just accumulate as much talent as possible to sell them yeah. for profit in the future. And I don't know if that's not necessarily a strategy to try to win, but if you're trying to run a business, you have to take that approach, which is what Chelsea is trying to do. Okay, so you're a business. You don't care about titles. I mean, ultimately, it's fine. I just think 
I think we're trying to be too cute to think there's some master strategy and Potter and all the football directors were all aligned on all these signings. But there is a strategy, though. I mean, when you're a size lord, you make it happen. Okay, now we go. <laughs> Kudos and thank you. Right. Bye, guys. I gotta run, y'all. I gotta run, y'all. Have a good one. Cheers. Could that donkey of the week? Uh, oh, that has run away. Look at this boy. Look at this guy just run away. Found away. <laughs> that has run away. Okay. Hansi Flick is currently Chelsea's radar. Room one mil. Okay, let's let's run quickly. Uh, Raji. Donkey of the week for me is Casemiro. Um, I think that he just came back from a red card and uh, ended up putting his hands around somebody's neck. What well, suspension you mean? No red card. Game yeah, I mean a red a, a suspension. And I think that. Uh, the fact that he got himself on camera, not realizing that there's VAR uh, and getting another red card, and he's going to miss the finals. Um, no, he's of... not. Funny he's going to miss the finals. No, he won't. He'll miss. He'll... Two... You know, we have midweek game. That's why he'll miss That's two true. league, two two games against Leeds and one game against um Leicester. against Leicester City. Don't worry. Don't worry. No joke in that one. Casemiro is going to play. No joke in that one. Don't worry. It's good. It's good. We'll see him there. Um, but I still think he's the donkey of the week this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, Pep. Pep is donkey of the week. I'm sorry. Um, I I don't I don't know what's wrong with that man. I think he has gotten into this overthinking. Uh, you know, rabbit hole where he goes, where he goes to occasionally. Why, why, why um, Ruben Diaz and Laporte are not seeing game time? They're not injured. They're fine. For some reason, he prefers Akanji and Ake. I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> I hear the Rico Lewis argument. I think, he's a, I think Rico Lewis is a young, talented player, and he, he offers everything, um, you know, you can expect from a young fullback. But benching, uh, benching, uh, Laporte's benching, benching Ruben Diaz, benching, benching De Bruyne has been costing them a lot. And because of Pep, Arsenal will win the league. Because of Pep. I don't disagree with that part of like, yeah, because of Pep. That last part, they win the league. Um, and it's annoying to me. My donkey of the week. I, I, I typically never like to talk about referees. and Because I, I always, oh. everybody tells me, I always say, you know, um, those decisions even out over the season. But for me, Andre Marina. Yes. VAR and refs as a whole. And this is why I'm saying this. I feel like the refs, and again, I don't believe in conspiracy theory. There's no conspiracy against Manchester United. Let me put it, let me make that clear. I don't believe in that. There's no conspiracy. But I do think that due to the fact that we had that call against City that was objectively the right call, but because it was a call that I think and there was never a situation that's had, to, that's had to make them make that call in the recent times, even though that Arsenal scored with that goal. I remember FA Cup a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. Sanchez. Against Chelsea, yep. yeah. So, but because that has not happened in a while, BBC match of the day, all they made it, they made they make a meal out of it, right? They shoot. Everybody was focusing at the great the great show and the great, and they kept focusing on it all over Europe for so they, they had multiple sessions about it. Gary Neville and Caraga, and I think that kind of has got into some of the rest head where when they are referee Manchester United, they're like, oh, like. It, they don't. They don't want to be the center of the show because it's been it's been ridiculous since that game. We've had multiple yeah. shouts of penalty in the last game against Forest. Yes. We literally kicked yes. Regos in the box. I refuse. Yes. I'm like, what? Nothing. This is a, yeah. Like even we play showed it. So it's, there's this weirdness going on with Manchester United that's pissing me off. 
Like seriously, because that Casemiro yeah. thing. Yes, I know objectively you can put two hands, but when you look the, the videos have come out. You look at the way it was in the violent conduct, and I hope they are, they appeal. I mean, they, they they don't want to. They should. I think they should increase the amount of days that he is missing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they should not. I I don't think they should appeal because again, just like Raji said, they'll just it'll just mean that his suspension is extended. I I I think I think like, I mean I and Ramirez is a dickhead. Yeah, and Ramirez VAR, all of them they're dickheads. Now I hear that that you can't put a player, I mean your neck, your hands on somebody's neck. I hear that. The reason the reason I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying Andre Mariner is also a a donkey is because. If you send off, if you send off Casemiro for that, you also you should send off Jeffrey Schlupp. You should send off Jordan Ayew. Uh, but for some reason, you know, it, it again it goes back to the consistency argument. And you're right, they've been trying to overcompensate ever since we got that Rashford decision and the with the Bruno Fernandez goal. So yeah, all of them are donkeys. I do, I, I do want to say that uh, Ibrahimovic, his view on Pep is kind of reflective of what um, Ogakwame talked about. The fact that Ibrahimovic has no love for Pep, no matter what, means that Pep has always had a history of ruffling some of his best players. Um, and if this mm. is happening at Manchester City right now, then we know that this is just a historical context of there's a historical context of some of these decisions he's making. Okay. Michael does quickly is Sean Dyke coming in, first game in against yeah. the team that has not lost what since September. That's not lost September, right? In the league. Yeah. Not lost September. Oh, yeah. I don't remember September is when we beat them. They've not lost in September, yeah. and yeah. they outplayed Arsenal. This is not one of those lucky. They outplayed Arsenal. More mm -hmm. expected goals, more chances, more shots on target. They were the better. That team first half, they could have scored at least two goals in that first half. Yeah, yeah. and they, just yeah. that hard black three used kind of stifled Arsenal. So yeah, he gets my kudos. Just first game, they look way more organized than they ever were under Lampard. So he gets my kudos. So my kudos will go to Harry Kane. Two hundred goals for Tottenham and. Uh, He's now written this book as one of the best offensive uh, players for Tottenham. And it's he deserves it, um, irrespective of anything. He's having a bumper season. Every single season you think that Harry Kane is going to go down, um, he continues to improve. And we're looking forward to having him next season in Newcastle. Okay, okay. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Congratulations to them. They should go and win the league. Oh, sorry, Arsenal. Let's <laughs> talk about Everton. I know it's Ah, uh, I'll just go with Arikane as well. I mean, uh surpassing becoming Tottenham's um all time all time goal um I think best goal scorer. That's the only thing that we ever win at Tottenham anyway, but still kudos to him. <laughs> okay, we've come to the end of the show. If you're watching, like, share, subscribe, footy fantasy is at the end. Thanks for all the comments in the in the comment section, all the live calls, Toby, Idris. Who was the last person that called? And Sam. And Sam. Um, thanks for coming, Raji. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. And, and, and I do appreciate it. And, and I, I really enjoyed talking to Ogakwame and Ayo and everybody. On the, on the, even if I joke sometimes, I think it's, it's been an interesting season. And uh, I always look forward to being on here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for always coming. Ogakwame. The feel, the feel, Raji, the feeling is mutual, bro. You know. It's still, it's, it's still our love. But yeah, I, I, I'm happy to be here. All right, everyone. We are out. Peace. Peace.